0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So after three games of the 2022 season, a lot of you are aware of this, the level of hype that's starting to grow around Georgia is becoming fairly ludicrous and I don't mean that in a bad way I just sort of mean in like in how like exaggerated it's become it's just like oh my gosh this is getting to be kind of a lot I saw where the Kent State coach yesterday said that this Georgia team is the greatest collection of talent ever assembled, which is kind of a funny thing to say and uh, the kind of thing that Kirby Smart probably doesn't love hearing necessarily, but kind of funny to hear an opposing coach say something so matter-of-fact of it's never been a greater collection of talent on one team at one time than what this Georgia team has right now. That's kind of funny um you've seen other media people kind of doing some of the same kind of stuff Peter Burns obviously you know him from the SEC network friend of the show he's been a guest of ours a couple times in the uh, past uh Peter Burns on his radio show on like Sirius XM in the morning uh, he also kind of had a very bold take recently about the status of the Georgia Bulldogs. In fact, as a way of kind of setting us up for what I want to talk about here today, let me let you hear Peter Burns with a very exaggerated claim about what he thinks the rest of the season looks like for the Georgia Bulldogs. This is Peter on that.
1: The Georgia Bulldogs are going to go down as one of the greatest college football teams we've ever seen. And they, they will go undefeated this entire season, and they will not even have an opponent get within single digits of them right now. Great on offense, great on defense, great on specialty.
0: Now, I like Peter Burns a lot, and I think that Peter's not a Johnny-come-lately when it comes to UGA. As many of you know, he picked Georgia to win the national championship last year. So, I got no beef with Peter Burns. But all of this is kind of a snapshot of the silliness of the media sometimes because, like, the one thing, it's kind of nice when you find yourself in a position not to have to like wildly change your position based on new information. We're the kind of people around here that we sort of make up our mind quickly and then change our mind slowly. Hopefully, we're reasoned and measured enough that we don't have to like dramatically alter our point of view. And we told you a lot over the course of this offseason that, of course, George is going to be back in the conversation again. And of course, you know, Georgia is going to have a chance to do everything in 2022, just like it did in 2021. Of course, that's a possibility. The one narrative that we push back against a lot back then was this idea that unanimously everybody's sure that the reigning national champs Georgia are clearly supposed to be slotted behind Ohio State, which to begin the year they were, and Alabama, which to begin the year they were. The idea that everyone is so sure this is just destined to be the case to me, that always seemed really weird that everyone was in agreement about that. Not that there wasn't a case for Ohio State, and by the way, there still is. And not that there wasn't a case for Alabama, and once again, by the way, there still is. Of course, there are cases to be made for other teams, but the idea that everyone seemed to agree on that case at the expense of UGA, we always thought that was just really, really weird. And all of a sudden, now after three weeks, everybody's completely wadded up that opinion, and thrown it in the trash. And all of a sudden, now you've got people saying that uh that georgia's the greatest collection of talent of all time they're not even going to play a, a game within single digits all year they're going to go undefeated along the way to win a national championship without ever being challenged whatsoever like a lot of that changes just really really fast and it's kind of remarkable to think about how quickly the media has done an about face after doubting georgia throughout the off season, but pretty quickly crowning them after three weeks of during the season a lot of that is just happening at a very fast pace now admittedly i probably also contributed to some of this myself. I told you on Saturday that I thought it was time to have the conversation, not about how much Georgia is going to have regressed from last year's national championship team, but maybe how much Georgia's progressed from that. And the notion that maybe this Georgia team is actually better than last year's national championship team was. It seemed appropriate to me after Saturday to sort of have that discussion. So I can't get on others for hyping up Georgia too much when I myself am kind of sort of guilty of all of that. Now, as you might imagine, Georgia coach Kirby Smart's response to all of this is sort of exactly the way that you think it might be. He's not into my comparison between 22 and 21. He's not into Peter Burns hype or opposing coach hype or Anything anybody else in the media is saying right now, that Kirby Smart is as sort of locked in and laser-focused as he always was, and he's pushing his players to be the exact same they've always been. This is a very predictable response from Kirby, but appropriate to hear nonetheless. Kirby from yesterday on those like me saying that this team is actually better than last year's national championship team. This is what Kirby Smart said about that.
1: Kirby, I know it's only three games in, but obviously a lot of people seeing the scores you all put up and the numbers you put up, uh, already, you know, comparisons to last year. After losing so many guys, is it far-fetched to say this team by the end of the year could be as good or better than last year's squad? I, I don't do comparisons. I've said that repeatedly. I, I, you can't compare anybody to last year because last year's teams, 15 of them are in the NFL. So it's one of those things that this team has a long way to go. Um, the worst thing that can happen to this team is start believing what people say about them. Uh, and... You know The toughest job we got this week is trying to explain to everybody that Kent State's a really good football team. I know you think I just sit up here and say that, but you turn the tape on, uh, they've got a really, really good football team. And it's not so much about Kent State. It's really about does our team want to grow? And uh, this is a week that we have growth. we could, we got to get better in a lot of spots. And you, know, you guys don't get to see it from our perspective, and the fans don't get to see it from our perspective in terms of what we see on tape and the mistakes we make and – how many guys we need to get better, but uh, certainly going to need them to get better this week.
0: So as I said before, all of this, to a degree, is just very predictable. Media folks like me are going to hype up Georgia. Coaches like Kirby Smart are going to push back against that hype, and he's going to challenge his players to stay focused and stay grinding and tune all of that out. All of this is just very predictable. That and there's a lot of fans that probably are like, "Good, Kirby. Hey, make sure this team stays, you know." you know, grinding to the bone, make sure this team stays as as laser focused and as intense as ever. Don't let them kind of buying into any of this hype. All of that just sort of seems really, really predictable. But I do truly believe, though, we see some evidence around Georgia right now that the actual story for UGA may not quite be as predictable for, uh, as that and that the actual story for UGA might actually be a little bit more interesting and a little bit better than that. Let me see if I can explain this the the right way. I think that if you were to talk to some Georgia coaches last year, especially Kirby Smart, and maybe even some Georgia players, and I think if you could get them in their most honest moment imaginable, in the most honest moment possible, and ask them, hey, what was the feeling after the national championship was over? What was the feeling after that season was done? I think if you got Kirby Smart in a truly honest moment, here's what he might say. There was a little bit of a feeling of relief that – Thank goodness we went out there and did what I always believed Kirby would say about himself was possible that we went out there and actually won the national championship that we got over that hump of Alabama that we actually got this done. And that may be a feeling that's more true for the coaches, but I believe there's also a, a version of that that might be true for the players there as well. You know, for guys like Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt and others who were kind of senior players in this program who had been here for a while and knew they were a part of a program that was so close to a national championship, they also knew there was a possibility where the, their career at Georgia could end without getting that done. And you got to think for some of those guys, maybe they would have felt like there was a little bit of a hole in the resume. Had they been close to a national championship for virtually the entirety of their career, but come up short in that and come up short to a team like Alabama again, that they just would have felt really this sort of nagging sense of incompletion if that had been the case and yet when you beat Alabama when you win the national championship finally they're the ones to kind of bring that back to Georgia the the critics the 40 plus years all that kind of stuff it just all goes away there might have been a sense of relief for some of the players too definitely for the coaches especially for Kirby but maybe for some of the players but here's the thing You know, that that notion of you're coaching and you're playing with so much pressure and you're so wound tight and you're and you're gripping so hard and you're straining so hard. That's word we've heard Kirby use a lot. You know, the the, the notion of going that hard towards a goal like that and being relieved when you finally achieve it, as opposed to elated, but just relieved. Thank goodness we did this. But but more than like the sort of euphoric feeling of how happy you are, you all that's the kind of thing you can only do one time. You can only do that once. You can't come back with the same race car in the red level of pressure on yourself back in 2022, the way you did in 2021. It's just not possible to do it that way. You know, human beings aren't designed to stay that intense for such a long time that if relief is what defined the Georgia team in 2021, when that goal was finally achieved and the season was finally over, I think that you have to have a different word to define how this team is pursuing itself in 2022 because all of a sudden now you're not the the team trying to win its first national championship in a long time. You're the team trying to come back and do all of this all over again. And if Georgia can do that in 2022 there's a sense in which this is just sort of a permanent state for the program, at least for right now, you know, sort of a, a common state for the program, at least for right now, where you could be in this same situation year after year after year. So I, I, I don't know that you could approach every single year as relief when it's over. I think it has to be more about relaxed while it's going on. I think you have to be comfortable in the spotlight. You have to be comfortable in pursuit of of this goal, and you have to kind of enjoy yourself along the way because you may win the national championship, but coaches won't want to work here. Players won't want to play here. Uh, It'll all feel very transactional and very short-term. And I think there's some evidence right now that Georgia kind of understands this. I think if last year the season was about, Hey, staying focused, blocking out the noise, working, 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 getting the goal and then being relieved when it's finally over. I think there's some evidence right now that Georgia's approaching this season with a far different mindset. And while they are just as focused and intense as ever, it's not about pushing yourself towards a goal and then being relieved when it's over. I think there is a sense in which some of this is about stopping and enjoying the process along the way. Enjoying the time they're spending with each other, player with player, enjoying the time they're spending with each other, coach with coach, coach with player, the entire organization, the connectedness or connection that Kirby Smart, you know, talks about a lot. I think there's some examples of that being true right now. So there's something to keep in mind that as Georgia goes about its business here in 2022, it may not be wound quite as tight as it was in 2021. When maybe when it was all said and done, there was this sense of relief when it was over now they actually may be stopping to enjoy themselves a little bit along the way. I think there are two specific examples of how this is true. And after I introduce the show, I'm going to tell you more about it. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us live on video. We start 945 on our first and 15 at dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon, app and sports radio 960, The Ref, and It's just great to have you no matter which platform you join us on, and it's great to be able to talk to you about the challenge, the mission of hashtag go for two in 22. That's the message we're pushing around here, and we believe that's a real possibility for UGA, and we like the mindset that Georgia seems to have as it pursues that goal here a little bit this season. More on that coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, big thanks to our friends and engineered solutions of Georgia from being a big part of what we do here today. When it comes to foundation waterproofing issues, they are the name to know. They're longtime friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily. I uh, got a message from somebody on Twitter uh, just this past week who has a retirement center and had some issues that need to be dealt with. Reached out to um, engineered solutions of Georgia. Could not say nicer things, but the folks at ESOG, the work that they did for him. And I, I got to tell you, that means so much to me. A, that you all are supporting those who support us, but also that the things that I tell you on here turn out to be true. I, I know they're true, but I'm glad to find out you're finding that out yourself, that folks like Engineered Solutions of Georgia just do great work for you. Now, the reason why they do is because they have an entire team of engineers on staff, to satisfy your need, whether it be a waterproofing type situation or foundation type situation, with so the cracks in your walls, or the water creeping in where it's not supposed to be. They're really the only organization in the market right now that can say they've got that level of resources being put to work for you. Now, being a solutions based company, sometimes they're able to give you some good news that the problem you think you have isn't quite as big as you think it might be. Obviously, when you see evidence of water creeping in or cracks in the walls, something along those lines, Your immediate response might be fear, concern, anxiety. In many cases, ESOG can say, actually, it's not as bad as you might think. You can just go to the hardware store and get a blah, 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 whatever else, and that's going to solve your problem. But there are times when the work is more substantial than that and all the more reason to have experts like our friends at engineered solutions on the job they're also proud partners of UGA and we obviously like it when you support those that support UGA and that's what our friends at engineered solutions of Georgia are all about there as well so if you've got a foundation issue if you've got a waterproofing issue reach out to my friends there you can find them online or you can actually give them a call very very easy number to dial just simply dial 678-ESOG now that is 678-ESOG now, and that'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right, we have a very busy show here today. Before we're done, we're going to catch up with Connor Riley. And Georgia's 3-0, blowing out South Carolina, looking pretty good, obviously looking maybe better through three games than it ever has before. But where do they go from here, both in terms of the game against uh, Kent State on Saturday, a team that, you know, Maybe a little bit more interesting than sometimes they're given credit for being. Already played a very tough schedule. Certainly that's the case. But also beyond that, into the rest of the conference slate like to come after that, we'll get some thoughts from Connor Riley on that. Here coming up in just a little bit. Also, if you're with us on yesterday's show, you know I made a very big announcement that every Tuesday here on this program for the rest of the season, we're going to be lucky to be joined by former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm, including here coming up in just a couple of minutes there as well. Jake, obviously a part of that foundational uh, early days of the Kirby Smart era on a college football playoff team in 2017, a guy that still spends a lot of time around the program, but certainly knows what it's like to be behind closed doors in the inner workings with a coach like Kirby Smart. Uh, Also, great insight from him on Stetson Bennett. In fact, in a moment, knowing that Jake played the position that Stetson's playing right now, we'll get into more detail about the kind of year that he thinks that Stetson Bennett is having. And whether or not he thinks it's a realistic possibility that Stetson Bennett could be a part of the Heisman Trophy conversation here this year. Certainly, there seems to be some growing momentum for that. How real is all of this? We'll talk to uh, Jake Fromm about that here coming up in just a couple of moments. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse. It's presented today by Georgia's Own Credit Union. We're happy to have Georgia's Own Credit Union here, part of Around the Doghouse on Dog Nation Daily here today. And let me kind of remind you what we were talking about there a moment ago, that there's a lot of hype building around Georgia and Kirby Smart's going to push back against some of that kind of hype, and he's going to challenge his team to stay as focused as ever. And a lot of this feels very familiar to the kinds of things you've heard from George in the past, or really the kinds of things you've heard about a lot of championship contenders in the past. And what I said was, actually, when you look at 2021 comparison to 2022, not only do I believe that this Georgia team right now actually has a chance to be better than that Georgia team from a year ago, even though that Georgia team won the national championship, There is also something I believe about this Georgia team that makes it different than last year's team. And one of the things that I said was, is that if you go back and look at last year's national championship, there may have been a sense of relief when it was over. When you're trying to achieve a goal that your program hasn't achieved in more than 40 years, or Kirby Smart as a head coach has never achieved, when you're players who've heard for a while you can't get over the Alabama hump, or somehow that Georgia's going to be a sort of woulda, woulda, coulda, shoulda type program that gets closed, but doesn't ultimately get the cigar, there's a level of pressure that gets built into that that maybe caused you to be wound a little bit tight. And maybe you grind more uh, intensely day after day, week after week towards a goal. And when it's all said and done, maybe there's a sense of relief there and maybe not this sense of elation that you assume would happen after a goal like that. Maybe you're sort of glad the season's over and glad you accomplished your your goal, but maybe it doesn't quite feel as sort of euphoric as, as you think it's kind of supposed to. Well, I said a moment ago, that's the kind of thing you can sort of only do one time, that you can be wound that tightly and that intense one time, but that can't be a permanent state of being. I think you see some evidence here right now. This Georgia team is instead of being relieved when the season's over the way they may have been last year, I think you see a sense of relaxation stepping into this Georgia team here right now, not in terms of how it goes about its business during practice or outplays the games, but in terms of the mindset that it approaches, I, I told the story yesterday with John Stinchcomb on the end and I was standing next to the Georgia locker room on Saturday when the touchdown was scored that allowed South Carolina to get some points, and I said, "When you watch some of those support staffers who were kind of, you know, in the business of kind of working around and kind of preparing the locker room for the Georgia players to return." There was this immediate sense of disappointment, and it was like a really palpable sense of dis- disappointment. Of all of a sudden, it just sort of felt like, "Wow, Georgia's losing this game." Based on this feeling here, right there, that's how disappointed those guys were that Georgia gave up some points. And that's a really cool edge that Georgia kinds of plays with. That uh, a touchdown in a meaningless moment of a game, they're already running forty-eight nothing for them, is just as intense as it is in the early stages of the game when when the points of the opposing team would have really mattered a whole lot more. That's a cool statement about how edgy Georgia plays the game with. But then when the Georgia players all came back to the locker room, and I had to stand there and wait because I was trying to get on the field to do the postgame show, while there was this disappointment, Jeff Centella had taken some pictures of players on the field too, and you could tell the look on their face. They were so mad when South Carolina scored. Y'all, they didn't stop them from celebrating the game. They were mad in the moment when the, when the touchdown scored. But when the game was over, they were back to celebrating and patting each other on the back and congratulating each other. Players were doing this with players. Coaches were doing this with players. This to me looks like a Georgia team that's just having fun right now. And I think that's one of the things that's making this team different than maybe some previous versions of uh georgia football that you've seen before is they're really inserting fun into this obviously the games are fun to watch because how the offense moving down the field and how aggressive the defense is playing there as well but there are a couple of other specific moments where georgia also just seems to be having a lot of fun or understanding that fun is a part of the process here that you've got to create the kind of program that coaches want to play for and players want to be a part of and and and, and play in Look no further than the Oscar Delp touchdown on Saturday. People know the backstory here. Delp was a recruit who could have gone to South Carolina. And South Carolina probably pushed for Delp as hard as anybody's going to push for any one recruit because Delp's mom had been a South Carolina grad, had been a big Gamecock fan. This was the kind of battle, even over a powerhouse like Georgia, that South Carolina thought it could win. And yet Georgia recruited Oscar very, very hard in its own right, ultimately won that recruiting battle. And knowing that Delp is playing on Saturday against his mom's alma mater, the school that he almost went to, whether it was intentional or not, certainly appeared to be, Georgia made sure to get that Oscar Delp touchdown for him on Saturday. And there's a great scene of, of, of Kirby congratulating Delp, and the, the, the message seems unmistakable there of, hey, we wanted to take good care of you in this game because we know you could have gone there that's just kind of a fun thing, right? It's the kind of thing where Georgia seems to be really easily understanding the 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 mindset that players approach with that. Hey, if I'm a guy like Oscar Delp, I'm coming to a school at Georgia where there's a lot of talent in this tight end position. There's a lot of uh, you know depth here that could keep me off the field. Am I making the right choice for me? Is this going to be a fun experience for me? Well, getting a chance to score a touchdown against South Carolina is an example of, yeah, you know what? They are making sure I'm having a good time. And even in the midst of grinding hard towards another championship, there is still a sense we're going to stop and kind of have a good time in this process. I think Amarius Mims is another example of that, too. Mim spoke to reporters yesterday and talked about the decision to almost leave UGA, the fact that he visited a place like Florida State, but ultimately realized that that Georgia is the right place for me. Well, guess what? Right now, Amarius Mims is playing a good bit for Georgia, even though he technically isn't a starter here. And you typically haven't seen a lot of rotating with offensive linemen the way that Georgia's rotating these offensive linemen right now, but that's the kind of thing that Georgia's doing because for a guy like Mims, who could have gone and played somewhere else but chose to stay at Georgia, hey, let's make sure, this is seemingly what Georgia's saying here, let's make sure we reward him for that decision and let him have some fun by getting a chance to play. Pretty soon, he's going to be in the NFL, but while he's waiting his time here at Georgia and playing behind a broderick jones or or a a warren mcclendon let's also make sure it's fun for him there too i told john cinchcombe this yesterday i'm gonna tell all of you this right now too it is a very interesting balance that i think is that george is striking right now on the one hand while they're playing they seem as intense as ever even late in the game in games in which they're on their way towards a blowout win but on the other hand they also seem to be sort of stopping and appreciating the moment, maybe more so than ever, getting Delp a touchdown, giving playing time to guys like Amarius Mims, making sure this is experience of being a part of another run towards a championship is as fun as it was supposed to be. Last year's response to a title may have been relief. They may have been kind of just glad it was over and that the mission got accomplished. This year, knowing that this is kind of the new normal for Georgia, being in the championship pursuit, maybe for many years to come. Maybe a little bit more relaxed, maybe stopping to appreciate and enjoying it more. And if that's true, I think that could be bad news for the rest of college football as Georgia settles into a very comfortable zone here right now. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. We're, of course, happy to have them as a part of what we're doing here. And I know this time of year, so many of you are traveling around and doing so many things going to Columbia on Saturday, or maybe you're heading towards uh, Columbia, Missouri, coming up on October 1st, a lot of travel when it comes to college football right now, or just a lot of things that you're buying this time of year. Well, the things that you're buying, the things that you're doing, you can uh, make all of that much more enjoyable and get a lot of great benefits when you use one of those Visa signature or platinum cards from our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. And when you do so, you're gonna get all kinds of flex rewards given back to you, which can be basically used for anything gift cards, cashback, travel, merchandise, so much more. You can also earn up to $150 when you open a new platinum or signature card. Now, there are some restrictions that apply, so make sure you check out the website. That is georgiasown.org for more details, georgiasown.org. But make sure you check it out online, the Visa signature platinum cards from our friends at Own credit union. All right, we're happy to have you here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll have more on the dogs on the field with our buddy Connor Riley later on. We'll get a quick preview of also some of the uh, week four action on the SEC coming up there as well. But for now, uh, a guy that knows this program very well and a guy who I'm sure is enjoying the 3-0 start the dogs have gotten themselves off to he's going to be our guest here on Tuesdays and we're happy to have him with us it is former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm here today on Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia and uh, happy to say hello to Jake Fromm Georgia quarterback uh, former Georgia quarterback guy who knows Kirby Smart well knows this program well and I'm sure as much as the rest of us he's enjoying what george has kind of gotten off to here this year jake thanks for being here we're excited about having you on the show here on a regular basis and i guess let's just sort of start with that right there um what did you think of george on the field on saturday and the level of dominance through three games that george is showing right now
1: yeah brandon what's up man great to be here thank you for having me uh super excited going into this fall uh being a regular on the show it's gonna be awesome as far as the dogs man just uh, I, I said it earlier in the week. It just looks like they're playing a different game than everyone else. Uh, it's just, it's just unbelievably dominant. It is just awesome to see as a dog fan. This is awesome. Uh, hopefully they can keep it up. I, I think they will. Um, I, I, boy, you know, I, I, I it looks like they're playing. Um, you know, because nobody thinks they can do it again, and yeah. hopefully they can and, and keep going and growing off of it. But man. Uh, for a defense to basically, in reality, not give up a touchdown for the first three games of the year, that is unbelievable to me. It is, it is awesome. Keep making, uh, keep making comparisons back to last year with the defense. You know, are they better? Oh, we don't know. I mean, the, the, the number one and number two defense haven't given up a touchdown in three games. That's incredible.
0: And the other thing I think I've noticed here is it just seems like they're having fun. I mean, obviously, yeah. and you could sp- speak to this as much as anybody. We know it's not easy playing Georgia football. The practices are a grind that Kirby and his assistants ask a lot from you guys who are in the program. And that can be kind of tough, but somehow, some way. This team seems to embrace that hard work, and they're also kind of finding a way to enjoy themselves during the games. You see a lot of smiles. You see a lot of pats in the back. They seem pretty connected together. Then I think emotionally right now, the thing that Georgia may be doing at more of an impressive level than anything is they're finding a way to strike the right balance between staying as intense as Kirby wants them to be, without making that kind of a burden to be around? I think that's not an easy needle to thread, but it seems like right now Georgia's doing a pretty good job of doing that.
1: I, I would definitely agree. I think it is a, a tough needle to thread, uh, but you said a great word. I think they're embracing it um, because they saw the fruits of their labor happen last year. Hey, man, look, the, the practices, they are sucky. Tuesday and Wednesday are not fun, uh, especially for those big boys. In uh, the trenches and the linebackers and the running backs and tight ends, it's, it's a grind. Uh, receivers, man, they run an incredible amount of yardage on the GPS trackers. Uh, they're running, their bodies wear out. Um, but that's that's the the best part about his recruiting classes and bringing guys in and guys can rotate in. But them embracing the grind, and paying off at the end of last year, and so they know, hey, it, it's going to pay off for us. And winning, man, winning winning makes it fun. It, it uh, takes care of a lot of things, and uh, it's definitely fun, even more fun blowing people out the way that –
0: I want to talk to you about Stetson Bennett. I'm curious of your opinion on him. You know, there are a lot of people who are going to say, "Oh, well, Bennett's performing, you know, better right now than he has in the past." Maybe that's the case. If that is indeed true, like what what differences do you see in Bennett here in 2022 compared to last year? And obviously, down the stretch last year, he played at a very high level for Georgia there as well. But this is a guy that's putting up very big numbers right now and seems to just be in control of everything. What are the differences you're seeing in Bennett now compared to maybe the Stetson uh, that we've seen in the past?
1: Well, first off, I mean, Stetson's a vet. He's been there. He's done that. He's going into his sixth, seventh year. He's a vet. He's got all that experience coming in. And then also during the offseason, during the summer, during training camp, he was the guy. He got the reps. And so what you're seeing is the offense, Firing off, firing on all cylinders a lot faster because Stetson got those reps, um, and it's, it's paying off for him. Uh, Munkin's getting into the back of tricks a little early, especially in the South Carolina game. A few reverses, uh, getting Brock involved, pop pass here and naked, and uh, it's looking good. It's uh, really fun to watch moving the pieces around because it's you, you can just put everybody on a, on, a, on a board, spin the dial, and say, okay, all right, cool. It's Brock's week this week. Let's uh, develop a plan for him. Spin it again next week. All right, Darnell. now. Spin it again. It's last. So they have so many pieces, so many different guys to use. and It uh, makes it fun, and, and you get to be creative.
2: Do
0: you think it's realistic that Stats minute can win the Heisman Trophy this year?
1: Uh, if, he, if he keeps doing what he's doing, I, I don't know how they, they can't give it to him. It's uh, he, He's uh, efficient, and he's putting up numbers, one, throwing the ball, he's getting the rushing touchdown, uh, I don't I don't know how you, you, you can't give it to him. And if they don't give it to him, it's, it, it, it wouldn't be justice. They wouldn't be doing it right um, because he, he's doing – if he can keep up on the pace he's doing, I, I don't know how they don't give it
0: to him. Isn't that amazing, Jake? Because – and you understand the, the history of all this probably as well as anybody does because you've been in the spot, but you also grew up in the state. You, you just get all of that that he's kind of gone from being a good story, hey, former walk-on, who maybe no one kind of expected this to happen for, all of a sudden now, he's just a good player. And he is, as Kirby Smart said after the game on Saturday, a tough player to game plan against because, you know, he's had, you know, more than 250 yards passing in every game this year. He's had, you know, in excess of 300 yards passing more often than not going back to the yep. to the end of last season. And yet, in addition to that, he's also providing at least a rushing touchdown per game there as well. He's yeah, actually absolutely. becoming a, a pretty tough guy to game plan against. He's a lot more than just the former walk-on who's kind of a cool story. He's a lot more than that now, isn't he?
1: Oh, yeah. No, the the development uh, sets in the mailman Bennett uh, it just it just keeps getting better. Um, coming in to walk on, being a great scout team quarterback, being a good teammate, plays with a shift shift, and then now he's playing at a a super high level. And yeah, I mean, let's 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 be real. Here. Bryce Young won the Heisman last year, and if, if we're if we're comparing apples to apples here, I mean, Stetson is as tall or taller than Bryce. Mm-hmm. He's bigger. He's faster. I think as far as Getting out of the pocket and moving, I'm taking set in a race every single day of the week. So, if we're comparing apples to apples, I mean, what, what does Bryce have that Stetson doesn't have, if, if we're being honest about this?
0: No, I think that's a very strong take, I do. Um, you mentioned uh, Brock Bowers a moment ago, and listen, I don't mean this in any way to disrespect the guys that are catching the ball for Georgia, because they obviously have a lot of deep weapons right now. I just think that Brock Bowers is a different level of player. I I think he has the look of the kind of guy I could see being drafted in the top 10 of the draft in a couple of years. You know, you obviously see the 13 touchdowns that he had last year, and this was his kind of first breakout moment here of this year. But to me, Stets, uh, 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 Jake, uh, uh, Brock just plays the game at a a totally different level than almost anybody else, and maybe anybody else in college football. How impressed are you with what Brock Bowers can do on a regular
1: basis? You you can see the just the intensity the focus uh, that he brings to the field when he has the ball in his hand um, he's running like a wild man you just cannot bring me down and he's as fast or faster than half or most of the DBs that we're playing against so uh, he's he's bigger he's stronger uh, I think he has a great football IQ he understands space he understands body control. Uh, and in the great hand-eye coordination made a great uh, shoestring catch uh, last game South Carolina on a on a naked reaches down catches it and then and then not only did he catch it, he then proceeds to get up field and get some yeah get some yards after the catch so uh, he he is an unbelievable player without the ball in his hands blocking getting open and then when the ball is in his hands be my guest and then try to try to bring him down but. It's proven a lot harder a lot harder than uh
0: than most of the things. I wanna finish with this because this is something you definitely have some experience with. When you guys beat Notre Dame in twenty seventeen, you went on a run after that to your credit, where you didn't play a close game again for quite some time. You know, blew out Mississippi State, yeah. you ran through Tennessee, Florida teams like that. Yeah. You get the sense this Georgia team may be in a similar situation right now where at least based on you know our projections of a lot of these games, Georgia may not play a close game for a while. Yeah. Yep. You know, how how easy is it to maintain focus when you're maybe not being challenged week to week? Obviously, you guys ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw uh, at Auburn back in November of 2017 and bounced back after that. But do, do you worry at all about this Georgia team maintaining its level of focus, knowing that they may just may not play a close game here for a while?
1: I think the, the hardest thing that people take, the level and the discipline to have that focus and intensity Mentally, as well as physically, but mentally for these younger kids who don't have the experience or are new younger guys playing throughout the entire length of the schedule for 12 football games. And it's college football; you, you see it with App State. App State beats a and them, and Georgia Southern beat Nebraska, and, and all these different upsets. So it, it, there's always the chance there. Now, Georgia, we're going to hit it soon. Kentucky's got a good football team right now. Tennessee's got a good football team right now florida depending on the day could be a tough football team so they'll, they'll find out they'll hit it and as to me as long as they maintain that level of, of discipline and focus going into each and every week uh, i think they're gonna be tough to beat
0: jake it is so nice to have you in the show your voice in george football obviously resonates so much and uh, we're big fans of yours so thank you for being here we'll look forward to getting a chance to speak to you next tuesday enjoy your week and we'll look forward to seeing the dogs back in athens on saturday
1: Yes, sir. Let's do it, Brad. Thank you. Good stuff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This
0: is SEC through. I just think it's so valuable to have a player like Jake who played for Kirby Smart and played at a high level and was a part of, and we talked to Jake about this before, you know, one of those foundational teams. Like 2017, I don't know that you get 2021 without 2017. I think that 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 helped lay the foundation for what happens after that and when he speaks about what's going on he speaks with a lot of authority so really good stuff from Jake from there on that we'll talk to Connor Riley as well here coming up in a moment uh what happened in Athens yesterday preparations for Kent State uh the hype building around Georgia we'll cover all of that with Connor here coming up in a moment before that though let's go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean and remind you it's about time for you to be on board with us hopefully Independence of the Seas. That's where we're going to be in April. But in addition to that, I'm going to be on Wonder of the Seas coming up in December. Really excited about that. Kind of an inaugural type sailing there, uh, as that repositions itself to Port Canaveral. And one of the things that I love is, and this is true for like the the Dog Nation cruise coming up in April or whatever else. I love having a port like Port Canaveral that's so close. Because the honest truth is, I'm not against air travel necessarily, but if I can take an easy drive just past Orlando and get to the port, that's really what I'm going to do. And so. For all of the cruises that I currently have booked and upcoming, all of those are going out of Port Canaveral. It's a wonderful port. It's really easy to get to. Uh, my family we drive to Orlando a lot anyway, so uh, head on down just a little bit uh, further than that, just about an hour down the road, and you are uh, right there at Port Canaveral, and you can hop on board. Uh, and and by the way, as I said before, the largest cruise ship in the world, Wonder of the Seas, is about to be in Port Canaveral. You've got a Mariner of the Seas. You've got Independence of the Seas, which we're going to be on. Uh, just incredible. Uh, collection and uh, an array of choices when it comes to our friends from royal caribbean right there in port canaveral including this upcoming april april 24th is when we're sailing uh the second ever cruise with dog nation if you go to the website royal com, you can find out more details about that about the itinerary the big draft party we'll have on that thursday night the other special dog nation events because that's the thing you'll hear me talk to you all the time about how great a uh, Royal Caribbean cruise is, but a Royal Caribbean cruise with Dog Nation is even better. So royaldogs.com to find out more about that or our friend Jessica Slater, you can just give her a call 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. If you're ready to book your cruise, go ahead and do that. If you've just got questions about the process, well, she'll answer that for you there too about why this is going to be such a great experience. And don't forget, if you book between now and September 30th, you get that $100 onboard credit to use on shore excursions, on drinks at the bar, specialty restaurants, merchandise, whatever else. Uh, the $100 onboard credit is yours for use on the cruise if you book between now and September 30th. So make sure you get going on all of that. Let's also talk about some of the big games here of the weekend, kind of an early preview of what week four around the SEC is going to look like. And I think that there are probably one kind of dominant theme for the two big sec games of the weekend and the simple question is is this as easy to predict as it looks because i think for a lot of people you're going to see tennessee hosting florida tennessee has really played well although not against the stiffest competition through its first three games florida got the big win against utah and has not looked good since then really even though they are two and one on the year is it as simple as saying that Tennessee in its own stadium with game day there probably biggest atmosphere and environment we've had in Knoxville in quite some time is it just easy to assume that they have a little bit of a coronation by beating up on Florida a team that's given them a ton of grief over the years and is this just sort of the arrival of Tennessee as a little bit of a factor in the national conversation and maybe the most prominent threat to Georgia in the SEC East is it that simple I think that's still to be determined as the week goes on. I do think the one thing you've seen from Tennessee is, from a position group standpoint, on the list of best position groups in the entire conference, you have to include Tennessee at wide receiver. They really do have a great collection of talent at the wide receiver position, and there may be some questions about the program overall, but in terms of what they do with the passing game to get those wide receivers activated, they are you know clearly pretty strong in all of that. And is there any kind of rise up last gasp from florida after almost being embarrassed by south florida after really you know you know you know getting beaten up by kentucky there a little bit any rise up from florida there at all i think i think that's one of those things we'll talk about as the week goes on another game kind of a similar storyline although a little bit different point spread situation in jerry world texas a&m against arkansas now keep in mind here that Arkansas is the team that although they weren't great against Missouri State on Saturday, this team's that been sending a pretty strong message a lot throughout the season here thus far Am sending the opposite message they can't score points uh, even in beating Miami on Saturday is a little bit ugly but to open the week they were a slight point spread favorite against Arkansas. so this is one of those things where you wonder does the narrative change here does AM finally assert itself here this season? Or is this an example of Arkansas saying we're actually making our claim right now to be clearly without question the second best team in the SEC West? I think Arkansas Tech's A&M on an otherwise kind of light week is actually a, a pretty good game on Saturday and worth your attention. I think the Brian Harson era at Auburn is hanging by a string. I don't think they'll lose to Missouri at home on Saturday. That'd be pretty wild and pretty awful if that were the case but one way or another at this point in time harson is just kind of in a lame duck session as the auburn coach and we'll see when that comes to an end. i would say he's one loss away from getting fired whenever that finally occurs uh, vanderbilt after getting three wins in the non-conference late in september as Jim Ross would say business picks up in a big way this upcoming Saturday when they take on Alabama although interesting to see former Atlanta area quarterback AJ Swan kind of emerging there for the uh, Commodores after really Mike Wright had a pretty impressive run to begin the year Swan kind of came on on Saturday so that's a little bit interesting and probably worth your attention there as well there is a lot of dreck in the SEC this week too and I guess Georgia Kent State's kind of a part of that but uh, at least a couple of games Florida Tennessee worth your time uh, A and M, Arkansas, I think worth your time there as well. Other than that, not easy to sell the slate in the SEC this week. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And while I can't really sell you on this week's SEC games too well, I can certainly sell you on some more good Georgia football information. And that's what we get right now with Connor Riley as a part of a Kroger easy for me to say, a part of a Kroger fresh take with him. Connor, welcome into the program. We're happy to have you here. You know, Georgia 3 0, dominant win against South Carolina coming up on Saturday. And I think a lot of folks wonder, okay, well, where does it go from here? You know, uh you know, no game of consequence this week with Kent State coming in and maybe not really challenged in the foreseeable future of the next few weeks. What was the mindset you found around Athens yesterday, hearing from Georgia coach Kirby Smart and the players you spoke to as well?
2: You know, VA, you and I had sort of even talked about this before the game on Saturday. People want to, you know, start making a comparison of, is this team better than last year? That was a popular question asked around at media days yesterday. And quite frankly, I'm already past that island. I'm, You know, that take island is crowded with with the usual people, I think this Georgia team can be every bit as good as 2019 LSU or 2020 Alabama with the way that they have been playing so far. Uh, It does not matter the opponent you put in front of them, they are annihilating them. Uh, Oregon picked up a great win over BYU this past weekend, which I'm sure you touched on yesterday, and and they made Oregon look just as hapless as Samford did. Ironically, of the teams Georgia has played so far, their smallest margin of victory is against Samford, and and so I, I think that speaks to just the hunger and the will that this team has. You know, Jake Crom, mentioned earlier, it seems like this team is playing a different sport. I don't know about going that far because the NFL, I I think we're probably two, three weeks away from wondering which hapless NFL team could Georgia beat. Uh, This team is just so locked in and focused right now, And, and I think, you know, the comparison shouldn't be made to last year. I think with the way this team has played so far, the comparison should be to the other great recent teams of the 21st century because that is where Georgia has very clearly put itself through the first three weeks of the season. And
0: one of the things I've kind of made a little bit of a theme on today's show is is that while their destruction of the three teams they played thus far has been brutally efficient, I don't think it's been joyless, Connor. I, I think there's a very 2022 vibe that, that George is giving off right now. I think that Kirby Smart is very well understands the nature of the transfer portal and very well understands the nature of coaches could leave and go take jobs other places, that they are finding a way to be like – just you know you know violently efficient in terms of how they're winning these games but also as a twin pillar to that they seem to be having some fun while doing it and they're getting a lot of guys involved and that that there is this connection that seems to be forming that kirby smart talks about a lot i don't think he's being empty when he's saying those kinds of things i do find it really interesting that this team right now i would say appears to be having more fun than maybe the 2021 team was having and i think that matters
2: Well, and this is what that championship buys you. There's not the 1980 sort of jokes or or thoughts or is Georgia ever going to get over the hump? Uh, How does Georgia stack up against Alabama? That's what that win buys you. It buys you the peace of mind knowing, hey, this team can go out there and potentially do it. We've seen it happen in our lifetime. And, And so while, yes, this is a new team, it is a different team than the one we have seen ago, I think you can unequivocally say that through the first three games of the season, having that national championship experience and winning it I think has brought not just this team a sense of ease, and you're seeing that play out on the field, but the fan base as well. I mean, you know, they just go in there and bludgeon South Carolina to the point that, you know, at halftime, those student, those student benches had emptied out there yeah. in Williams-Bray Stadium. And so I, I think that just as much, the fact that Georgia is seen as a juggernaut not just within its own fan base, but other fan bases as well, I think makes this this experience that we're having right now all the more enjoyable.
0: I think that's right. And on the defensive side of here, when you think about, I mean, virtual shutouts, I mean, obviously they did score late. The Samper game was a shutout, only giving up three points to to, to Oregon. When the standard is that level of per, uh, perfection where, I mean, virtually any points or yards being yielded um, is, is kind of considered a loss, I think that caused you to kind of reconsider the dominance of Georgia on the defensive side even more because the truth is, is regardless of who you play, and I think the Oregon you know, uh, you know, team has sort of shown itself to be a really quality win for Georgia based on what they've done since then, but, but when you look at the way in which they're going out there and just completely you know, throttling their opponents, ending all hope on, on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think that's the kind of thing that stands up regardless of who you've played.
2: If you want a perfect distillation of what this defense is, I encourage you to go to the Dog Nation YouTube page and watch the interview I did with, with Nolan Smith on Saturday. There's a moment there where I, I essentially asked the same question that you had just asked. You know, what have you seen from this defense so far where you've essentially given up one garbage time touchdown and the starters, and I use starters in air quotes here as I'm about to explain, haven't given up a touchdown yet and really haven't even given up very many points. And snap snap might not be the right word, but he very clearly corrected me and said, no, if you're on the field, you're a starter for this team. And so he was very upset that Georgia had given up a touchdown late in the fourth quarter of that game. You know, the standard is don't, we don't want teams in our end zone. And I think you're seeing that standard bear out because, you know, a few years ago, when, or even last year, when Georgia was up big in these games and you were getting, you know, Jamon Dumas-Johnson reps, Zion Logue reps, Nas Stackhouse reps, Kamari Lasseter reps, when those guys were late in the game, you think back to the Kentucky game, the Missouri game, the Florida game, when they had late defensive stands in that game and a chance to keep them out of the end zone. I think those processes have transferred over to these guys as they've gotten older, and they've carried that along with them. And that has helped solidify what this defense continues to be. So when you know Marvin Jones Jr., Darius Smith, um, Dalen Everett, when those guys become first-team-on-the-field guys later on in their careers, they're still going to carry this this thought, these feelings of hey, remember back against South Carolina when they scored a late touchdown against us. Let's make sure we keep them out of the end zone once again. And I think that standard, which has taken years to build, has finally sort of shown out and what it is, and is now sort of an endless loop of what to expect from the Georgia defense. So let me
0: ask you this: you know, I think people have a tendency to kind of put every sort of non-power five team in the same category, but Sanford and Kent State are very different teams. I'm not saying Kent State's a world beater by any stretch, but. This team did play in the MAC title game a year ago. They were one of the higher scoring teams in the country last year. Admittedly, I don't know if their offense is anywhere near you know, that good this year. They played a crazy schedule at Washington, at Oklahoma, now at Georgia, so they're clearly making themselves a lot of money by uh, going on a little bit of a barnstorming road trip here. What would you say – sell me on the game on Saturday. What are you watching for? What do you think fans should be watching for? If it's nothing, I guess just be honest about that. But is there a point of emphasis for you in the game on Saturday against Kent State?
2: You know, the transitive property is always tricky. And the fact that this is the third sort of power five uh, team that they're going to play on the road might make this a little bit more interesting. But you know they played Oklahoma relatively tough there for a stretch, thirty-three thirty or thirty-three three, excuse me, is the final score when they played in Norman. Uh, Washington, which picked up a very nice win against Michigan State, forty-five uh, twenty there. You know, comparatively, what does Georgia do to Kent State on Saturday? How Oklahoma, a potential playoff team, how Washington, may be the best, uh, a front runner to be a contender in the Pac-12 there? How does Georgia go about? showing off what it can do against the Kent State team. Because if it goes out there and it absolutely throttles Kent State in the way it has Oregon and South Carolina, I think when you stack that up to what Oklahoma and Washington did to probably top 20 teams in the country this season, certainly based on talent, I think that's just going to add another measuring stick to what Georgia has had so far. And, and you know, it's non-conference slate. You go out there, you get a win over a top 15 Oregon program. You get a win over a South Carolina team. I think it's still going to be able to go to a bowl game this year and do some nice things. Uh, I, I think, you know, obviously it is a tougher sell. It's a home game, so come have fun at that. Because You only get, I think, seven of them this year, maybe six. So it is a tougher sell. And I'll, but I'll say this, you know, going on the road against Missouri next week, that might be an even tougher sell because I think Missouri might be every bit as bad as Kent State is yeah. with, with the way they've played so far. So Georgia's schedule, uh, you know, you look out, Auburn not very good right now. Brian Harsin might not even be coaching when they come to athens october 8th vanderbilt weirdly i like what they've done so far they're the highest scoring team in college football so far this season but I, I don't think any of us expect that to be a game there so these next this next real month for georgia it's going to be how do they stack up against themselves because really the opponents they're going to see on the field i don't think can hold a candle to them
0: i want to do two quick things before we let you go let me first remind folks though this is our kirk fresh Day with connor riley here on dog nation daily uh, here today, and of course, uh, I wanted to check out our friends at Kroger. When it comes to Kroger Chef Junior, this is a great guided kids' cooking experience. It gives you a chance to uh, let your kids learn more about food preparation. I think it's always easier to get them to eat healthy when they're a part of that preparation process, and that's really what Kroger Chef Junior is all about there as well. Including this month, making some of those lettuce wraps, which is kind of a cool thing to uh, make. And of course, uh, this upcoming Saturday, September twenty fourth, you get to be a chance to be a part of that at a select Kroger location. So when you do, it's just $7 per child. And in addition to making the, the food item, which this month is the lettuce wrap, you're also going to get an apron and a patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card and box, and a whisk. It's all just $7 per child. So check out Kroger Chef Junior uh, for a lot more on that. KrogerChefJr.com, I should say, for more on that. KrogerChefJr.com. All right. So, Connor, I guess let me, let me do this here really quickly. Uh, two quick things. You mentioned the potential historic nature of this Georgia team if it continues on the same path that it's on right now doesn't a lot of that right now center around the quarterback position where if you really are going to throw the ball as well as Georgia is right now you know Stetson's been over 280 yards in every game thus far this year and has regularly thrown over 300 yards in the uh, years prior to uh or should say in the games prior to uh prior to that um if that's what you're doing and you're adding that to the defense that Georgia already plays, that's kind of the recipe for how you get to sort of that kind of historic level of team in the category of what you put them in kind of before 2019 LSU or maybe 2020 Pandemic Alabama. That's kind of how you would get to that for Georgia here right now, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, stylistically, I, I certainly think they're up there. They're doing, I think, what LSU did a season ago. I know we talked on Saturday during the game, you know, how many great players does this Georgia team have on the offensive side of the ball, I, I think Brock Bowers is obviously in that category. Uh, I think Cedric Von Praun is in that category. I think Brock Jones, sooner rather than later, is going to be in that category. But they have a, a lot of good guys who on a certain day could be great, but week in, week out, we don't really know that yet. Whereas, you know, you look at that LSU team, they had Justin Jefferson, they had Jamar Chase, they had Joe Burrow. Uh, I think those guys all qualify as great. You look at that Alabama team, Mac Jones was great that year. Devontae Smith, obviously, won the Heisman Trophy. Jalen Waddell went healthy. Najee Harris, those guys were all great. So I I think that, you know, how many players by the end of the season are we unequivocally calling great players? I I think it's going to be one thing to determine it. The other one, and this is the one where if this happens, uh, I, I think, and again, a lot has to happen, and this team is certainly going to get better than what they have shown so far this season, but there's a world out there where Georgia plays Alabama twice this season, and there's a world out there, I believe, where Georgia can beat Alabama twice this season. And if that does happen, boy, it's going to be a fun time on Dog Nation daily oh, yeah. uh, because, you know, they've beaten them once. And so I, I, fear is not the right word to use, but there's sort of an uneasiness in the past of playing Alabama. I'm not sure that exists anymore, certainly in the scale that it did beforehand. And I'm not talking so much from a player standpoint, but from a larger fan base perspective at large here. You beat them in the SEC championship game, A, you're going to be the number one seed and you're going to play in Atlanta, you're going to play in that first college football playoff game, and I do think that's going to be a tremendous benefit to you. And then two, I I still think there's a very good chance you could see Alabama again in the national title game, even if they do lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game. And if you beat them again in the national title game, in addition to beating them in the SEC championship, and then again last year in the national championship game, that's an all-time run against a program that has been the measuring stick in college football for a decade plus now. And so I think if you're looking for a path for Georgia to get to that LSU, that Alabama sphere in terms of recent seasons, it's two wins over Alabama. And how many offensive players graduate from the level of good player to truly great
0: player? Now let me finish with this, and you kind of lead me into it, which is through three weeks, Georgia is really, in my mind, the only national story. But that's not going to last. I mean, pretty soon someone else asserts themselves. Maybe it's what USC against Oregon State this week, or maybe it's Ohio State against Wisconsin, maybe it's Clemson against Wake Forest. Like, you know, tell me your thoughts on how quickly the national landscape changes where someone asserts themselves in a similar way to which that Georgia has through these first three games? And do you have a sense of who that's going to be? Maybe it's Bama as they get more into conference play on the other side of Vanderbilt here this week. But who do you think is next on the national landscape to truly assert themselves?
2: I think USC is certainly a team they're worth watching right now. They've won in cover in all three of their games. Their offense is obviously incredibly potent. Their defense is very reliant on turnovers right now, and at some point that luck just happens to run out, and I'll be interested in seeing how they play when they don't get these sort of turnovers they force there. I think Michigan is a team worth watching out. The schedule they've played might be one of the worst in the country, but they are doing what good teams should and absolutely blowing those teams out. They get Maryland on the road this week, which they should beat Maryland, but I'll be interested in seeing how they go about doing it. And then I believe uh, on October 1st they go to Iowa, and Iowa's offense... Uh, I think there are some Georgia high school teams out there that might have more talent than Iowa does on that side of the ball. But at Iowa against that defense, I think it's going to be a real measuring stick game. And so if Michigan's 5-0 and on October 1st and they look good in these next two weeks, I think you're going to see maybe a lot of people circling Georgia and Michigan as a, you know the two teams out ahead. And that's more so because of the schedule and the way that Michigan has looked so far. I think Ohio State's going to have a chance to get there. And I obviously think Alabama is as well, though the SEC West, I'm not as quite high on, as high on that division as I was maybe a week ago after what Arkansas looked like this past weekend, what Texas A&M continues to look like there. So I do think from a schedule standpoint, I think Michigan is well-positioned right now to sort of be that number two team that it sends up in the polls.
0: All right, Connor, good stuff. We'll look forward to reading more from you there, dognation.com. We appreciate your time here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take today. And as I said before, we'll read a lot from you and hear from you again very soon as well.
2: Yep, as always, it was a pleasure.
0: So, Connor and I touch on something kind of interesting there at the end of the conversation there. And there's, you know, a level of Georgia fan that's still somewhat uncomfortable being this much in the spotlight, being talked about this much. And we kind of, you know, sort of played the Peter Burns audio off the top of the show. Like some of this just seems like ludicrously exaggerated. for some Georgia fans, it just feels like a little bit of a turnoff. If if that's the way that you feel and you kind of follow the college football stories, like eventually you're going to get more hype for other teams. And maybe it is Michigan, as Connor said now. I don't know how you sell Georgia, Michigan again after Georgia throttled them a year ago. But but eventually, you know, Michigan's going to play some tougher games and maybe they start to get that conversation. I think that Ohio State's going to turn on its offense a little bit on Saturday. And so maybe they kind of join the hype of the season a, a bit. There is clearly going to be a cottage industry being built around USC. But as Connor said, defensively, they haven't been all that great. They gave up actually a good bit of yards last week to a Fresno State. So, you know, I don't know that I'm going to break my back, you know, trying to lift uh, USC to the sky right now. But eventually someone's going to get some prey. Someone's going to join Georgia. In the national conversation the reason why it hasn't happened yet is because ohio state kind of played around with notre dame and didn't get a convincing win alabama kind of played around with texas didn't get a convincing win so those teams that could have been a part of the the, the hype machine that george is kind of part of now they just didn't play well enough to do that eventually somebody's going to start playing well though maybe it's bama maybe it's ohio state maybe it's usc i'd keep your eye on oklahoma a, a little bit right now too Clearly, I would say the class of the Big 12 at the moment with all due respect to Kansas. But uh, but but, you know, clearly the class of the Big 12. But somebody eventually is going to start getting some national attention. So if you feel like it's too much on Georgia right now, eventually some of this kind of slides over to somebody else. And interesting stuff from Connor there on all of that. Also, let me uh, remind you about my friends at the Durham Law Group there as well. You hear up on game days with us here on Dog Nation. And they also want to do good stuff for you there as well when it comes to facing a tough situation, maybe you've been hurt or injured on the job or in an accident. My wife had a traffic accident the other day. Thankfully, she wasn't hurt. But uh, you're reminded of how serious that can be for someone who does come away with an accident situation where uh, they're a little worse than wear. You know how challenging it can be sometimes to get what you feel like you deserve in a situation like that. Well, that's what the Durham Law Group is all about. And they work hard for you and they make a promise to you that you'll get no fees or expenses from them unless you win. That's the commitment they make to you, which I think is really awesome. And so you can contact them for more information on that. The number 844 4 Hurt. You can also visit them online, georgiahurt.com. That's the state spelled out, georgiahurt.com. So check out the Durham Law Group here today. If you've been injured on the job, hurt in an accident, if you find yourself in need of being made right, of being made whole, let them do it for you, and they won't have any fees or expenses for you unless you win. All the more reason to call them, 844-4GA-HURT, or visit online, georgiahurt.com. And for our golden shoe today... Something we probably thought we'd never see. Although at this rate, I think I may be on board on both sides of this equation. The idea that maybe the Falcons right now are gonna tank for Stetson Bennett. Let me show you this. Uh from our buddy a Frustrated Falcons fan on Twitter, who says, uh, motto for the season, tank for Stetson. Hashtag dirty birds, hashtag go dogs. Uh, this may indeed be the case here, and that may be what the frustrated Falcons fans are sort of hoping for. If not, Stetson Bennett, can they at least play Desmond Ritter, see what he has? <laughs> can you at least see what he brings the table uh but nonetheless a lot of frustrated falcons fans right now wouldn't mind seeing little stetson bennett under center maybe a little of that in the future for the uh, falcons there uh we'll see if that is indeed the case about 5,003 days that's how long it's been since the lousy stinking gators have won a national championship that is fun to consider something else that's fun to consider 39 days from right now dogs back in jackson beaten up on those lousy stinking gators again that is our gator hater countdown hashtag go for two and 22 we're all about that and we'll see you tomorrow here on dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews cool down of course rs andrews is the one you turn to for your air conditioning heating plumbing and electric needs we will take your comments either on twitter at dog nation daily comment section at dog nation.com Kelly Williams writes in on the subject of Malachi Starks, who obviously has two interceptions now in the season. Kelly's saying, I'd also love to see Starks returning punts. He's a special talent before the season's over. He may be considered the best player on the field for Georgia. There's no doubt that the word special talent or the phrase special talent clearly uh, is appropriate and applies when it comes to Starks. That's the kind of level of athlete that he is. And it's kind of funny. For all the athletes that Georgia has, they haven't really made punt returns in that aspect of the game, a big part of what they've done lately, even though you sort of think of that as like a very athletic position typically speaking, George's been a little bit more conservative it seems like with some of its uh, punt return game as of late. But over the course of his career, George of finding as many ways for Starks to be as involved as possible, I think probably makes some sense for now, I think they're you know intent on making sure he's learning how to be the very best safety he can be. Obviously, that's a lot to process from a cognitive standpoint for a player so young into his career there's no doubt that he has the makings of a very special player and as kelly suggests maybe considered among the best very very soon i think that could be certainly a possibility david sides talking about how outmanned and uncompetitive the game was against south carolina it was really remarkable to see and you know i was stuck in traffic trying to get to the stadium prior to the game and i was listening to the local radio broadcast it was amazing to listen to like sort of local gamecock radio just how unenthusiastic they were about all of this and some of y'all saw this reflected in the fans that were leaving the stadium and kind of shared some of those pictures and um it was just really wild that that right now georgia is playing at such a level that um that a lot of opponents just don't even feel like and, and fans you know very enthusiastic fans of the opponent they just don't give themselves much of a chance. I don't think the Oregon fans thought they had any real shot of being all that close with Georgia. Maybe some of them were, you know, delusional enough to think it possible, most of them probably didn't. South Carolina fans didn't really either. Like it's going to be a long time not only until Georgia likely plays a close game, but until you see a fan base who even believes their team is capable of playing with Georgia. It's really a remarkable run that Georgia's on right now and you know, we'll look forward to continuing to see how far it continues and obviously we'll enjoy talking to you about it all right here on our podcast cool down big thanks to rs andrews for making it possible you can find them online rsandrews.com for your air conditioning heating plumbing electric needs they show up on time they do the work that's promised the price is promised. you can trust them on all of that today we will see you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia the podcast cool down presented by rs andrews after that we'll talk to you then everybody